0: Howdy everyone, Jeremy here. We've got a great episode of Taxpayer Talks for you today. We recently interviewed Bill Peacock on fiscal issues that are facing the state of Texas, and we got his thoughts on how we can address several of them. We also discussed the loophole that local governments are using to raise property tax rates without having to go to the voters and what that means for Texas taxpayers. And then lastly, we talk about Issues that are most concerning to Texas taxpayers ahead of the November general election. Stay tuned. Taxpayer Talks is brought to you by Texans for Fiscal Responsibility and it's only made possible from generous donations from listeners like you. If you wanna support our work, you can visit texastaxpayers.com slash donate to make a tax-deductible contribution today. Thank you.
1: Good evening and welcome to Taxpayer Talks, the podcast where we hold Austin accountable by giving taxpayers news that affects their wallets. My name is Tim Harden. I'm president of Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. I'm here with my partner, Jeremy Kitchen, our executive director. How are you doing today? Doing okay, man. Good. So how's the week been, man? What have you been up to?
0: It's uh, It's been busy, right? As everyone knows, the election is right around the corner. So I'm sure everyone is currently being inundated with campaign advertisements and uh, seeing stuff all over social media, kind of the Uh, the bunting, if you will, it's the the three bullet points on why you should vote for X, Y, and Z candidate or why the other one's bad. And so just kind of trying to keep tabs on that and keeping, you know, keeping people honest.
1: Yeah. You know, when, when elections approach it, it kind of consumes the news cycle. And so uh, we have, we have less fiscal issues going on aside from, you know, our, our impending economic collapse that I'm sure is is coming. Uh, I think we have CPI coming out this week, which I'm sure we'll comment on when we get those numbers. Um, But Uh, This week, I went and spoke at uh, TTP, or True Texas Project. Uh, There was a panel of people, a lot of uh, friendly groups, uh, and we were just kind of going over our legislative priorities, so, of course, I talked about the Texas Prosperity Plan, uh, and it was really encouraging. There's, I think, like uh, 60 to 100 people there. is uh, up in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I think uh, you and I are both doing a few more of those just to kind of go out and educate taxpayers uh, and promote our Texas prosperity plan and fiscal responsibility. So it's it's been, it's been awesome. It's been a good week yeah that's right. i think
0: we I think we both have events right today. I guess with this recording is going live. Uh, uh, I've got one in Northwest Houston to, which is to do that in the you know true Texas project, talk about that sort of stuff. um and I think you have one as was a Parker County Conservatives, right?
1: yeah' Parker county uh, this evening as a matter of fact. so uh, so let's get into the news. So uh, we did something special this week. We did have a, a special guest. We had a, a conversation with Bill Peacock. Who is uh, has a podcast, uh, The Liberty Cafe. Of course, he's been involved in uh, Texas, the Texas budget and economics in general for decades. And so he's just a wealth of knowledge. And we had a few questions. Uh, the interview was actually probably 20 or 30 minutes long. We're going to post that audio on some of our platforms, which we'll share. Uh, we're going to share a few clips and some answers that he gave uh, regarding the budget and corporate welfare. Uh, and so let's show those clips real quick and just kind of uh, uh, show the viewers our conversation with Bill.
2: Well, there's nothing wrong with improving the budgeting process. I mean, uh, Matt Schaefer, uh, state representative, is spending a lot of time. You know, He's gotten himself on the appropriations committee, which is a thankless task. I'm glad he's on there. I'm glad he's focused on that. But the truth of the matter is it, it, it's not the budgeting process that matters. It's how much money they spend. And the whole system, the whole appropriations process is geared towards spending more money. And so if you just improve the budgetary process, make it more efficient, they're going to more efficiently spend more money. (laughs)
0: <laughs> they will more efficiently spend your money. So of course, you know, this was as a response to one of the questions we had about, you know, we, we hear from taxpayers all the time, right? Especially those that are actually interested in how government spends their money, which is, well, why don't we just change the, the, the process, right? Uh, you know, if we had zero-based budgeting or if we had some sort of other budgeting scheme, uh, why just change the process? And I think we kind of, like, even though that would be great, I think conservatives had generally talked about those sorts of uh, budgeting structures or schemes. for a long time. The reality is, is that, you know, they're just going to continue to find ways, as Bill said, right, to spend our money. And so until we put enough pressure on them to not spend as much of that money, um, you know, nothing will necessarily ever change, right? What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, there's a number of of policies we could implement. You know, there's appraisal reform, there's reform to the budgetary process, there's things like 0 based budgeting. These are not bad reforms, but none of them are going to solve the overarching problem of the growth of government. And this is why we, we chose a frozen budget as uh, a way to deal with the budget in Texas, because uh, overall, uh, at the macro level, stopping the spending and stopping the growth of government is paramount to anything else. Because, uh, as you know, and as I know, uh, being in that building for close to a decade is he's right. They're going to find any way they can. They will break rules. They will suspend the Constitution. They will do whatever they have to do to spend money unless you have completely capped them and tied their hands. And so uh, we think that if government is already too big, then we should not grow it one more inch until it is at a reasonable size. Uh, There's debate on what that size looks like. I always say, you know, it's, it's so small I can barely see it. Uh, and we are very, very far from that. And so we would elect, instead of going uh, with the the good reform, the conservative uh, reform that capped to population plus inflation, uh, it was a good reform, but especially in a year where we have eight nine percent inflation, this is going to grow our budget massively. And if our government is already too big, we should stop it at that macro level.
0: So, of course, we we talked to Bill about that, right? And he had some thoughts. So let's let's watch that clip here as uh, well. Really,
1: you know, the, one of the main things we want to talk about today is, uh, if you remember, we had a conversation what about a, a year ago, and we were talking about our legislative priorities and uh, looking at. Uh, a, a new metric, really, is what we were looking for. You know, we we passed the the spending limit this last go round. Uh, this is something that TFR was actually founded on back in two thousand and six. Uh, it was finally fully accomplished, I, I assume, last go round. And so, um, you know, with with inflation where it's at, uh, we're, we were looking at the upcoming budget and just how much, even with that conservative metric, uh, it's going to grow. And so, we introduced this, this idea of a frozen budget, which is which came. Uh, like I said, from a conversation, just kind of your experience um, uh, dealing with the budgetary process. And so we just kind of want to know your thoughts on um, on the best way to reform the budget. We had talked about, you know, the the micro level and the difficulties at the micro level uh, reforming the budget with things like zero-based budgeting and individual programs, and then uh, possibly focusing on the budget as a whole, which is the, the route we took. So just kind of want to know the history of uh, of where you came to your own conclusions on that matter. Yeah, well,
2: it, it, for a long time, y'all are aware, and most of our listeners are probably aware that the, the idea of some kind of spending limit on um, on governments has been a, a big issue in um, in conservative circles, and probably the most famous of those was the one that Colorado adopted back up. And when was that? In the nineteen nineties, I think it was. The uh, that the the, the, the 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 budget of the state could only grow by so much. And I don't, mainly I think it was probably uh, a percentage target. And and so, and that actually led to some pretty significant uh, spending restrictions up in Colorado. But then the politicians, even the Republicans got involved and said, well, you know, that doesn't really give us enough room to do our jobs. And so they went in and changed it. Uh, their term and expenditure, their expenditure limit. And then, uh, and then it kind of went by the wayside. Well, Texas has had one of those in in place too, but it's always been based on the growth of the economy and the way in the Texas constitution. And that was judged by uh, the legislature to be uh, the growth of personal income. Well, the growth of personal income is much, much, much faster than the actual growth of the economy and individuals' income. And so Texas has been fighting for years, conservative Texans have been fighting for years to bring in, bring that down to a lower level, for instance, something like population growth plus inflation. And uh, lo and behold, last session, we finally got that into law, right? Well, what happens as soon as we get that into law? Inflation skyrockets, Right. And so now if our budget stays at population growth plus, in, plus inflation, it could be going up at 10 12 13% a year, right? And so that kind of highlights the games that politicians play with our money because they don't want us to know how much money they're spending. And um, they want us, you know, they put a spending limit in place and it's really high and then they make it and then they brag about how well they're doing by keeping the spending under the spending limit. And and so uh, all that being said, talked with a lot of friends and other people over time, including you guys, and really determined there was two basic ways to deal with this. One is just everybody I know who's a conservative, at some level thinks government is too big. And if government is too big already, we shouldn't be going around congratulating ourselves. Now, it's a, it's a necessary step, perhaps, to getting to where we want to be, but we really shouldn't be too excited about just limiting the growth of government. We ought to stop the growth of government. Actually, we should be cutting government, but let's just take it one step at a time. Limiting the growth. The next step, I think, is stopping the growth of government. So that could be a zero-growth uh, government you could call it, or a liberty budget, whatever you want to call it the government spending should not grow anymore.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's an interesting point, right? Like, and, and you said the same thing where it's, you know, it's great. Conservatives had a victory, right? We had a, a budget spending limit that was capped at population and inflation. Obviously, it's a metric that, you know, a think tank uses here. Um, and, and also a lot of conservatives have rallied around kind of this definition of a conservative Texas budget. That's great. But here we are, we've entered a large inflationary period with seemingly not necessarily an end in sight, depending on the economist you talk to. And uh, the concern is that we don't want to give free license to lawmakers to appropriate even more money under the reasoning that, you know, inflation has gone up, especially when we take right the position that the budget was already way past where it should be to begin with. Um, It shouldn't be free license for them to spend even more.
1: Yeah, you know, I think you talk to any investor worth of salt. Uh, for for a personal budget and what they're gonna tell you in a high inflationary time, the, the high priority is to pay off debt, right? Is to get out of debt. Um, there's this this misinformation that, you know, oh, the, the money's inflating so my debt's gonna be worth less and it's just not true. You get yourself in more trouble if you're in debt. So we should be doing the same thing. We should be cutting spending, we should be tightening the belt and we should be investing uh, in only core functions of government uh, getting our house in order uh, the last one we we talked about was actually at uh, Chapter Three Thirteen, which is something we have been uh, spending a lot of time on. Of course, there's a rumor that uh, they are going to be renewed. Uh, Dave Phelan came out and said that uh, he supports them in a different uh, in a different form. Uh, so let's take a look at what Bill had to say about those. Um, I'm I'm sure uh, you've heard the rumors, and uh, some have been actually public about it. That uh, leadership, specifically in the House, uh, Phelan has come out and said that he has the desire to renew. Uh, corporate welfare or specifically chapter 313 abatements in a in a different form um why are they doing this they we we've heard from both parties the democrats and republicans that they don't want the parties themselves do not want these things to exist so why is leadership uh wanting to renew these again after they're set to expire i believe in december of this year
2: i was able to go up and testify at, at the capitol man i guess about a month ago now and the, the, the first words out of my mouth were reminding th- the members of the committee who were there that it was not very long ago that corporate welfare was considered theft in the Texas Constitution. There was a there's a gift clause in the Texas Constitution that says the government can't take money from one person and give it to another person. That's called theft. It's corruption. But then in 1987, the legislature passed a constitutional amendment, sent it to the voters and the voters approved that with like 51 point. 2% of the vote something like that and because of that close vote back in 1987 now the government can take our money individual taxpayers and give it to Exxon mobile and and particularly uh, huge renewable energy companies that make billions of dollars around the world those kinds of things and so you know what i think it, it kind of gets back into this framework we're talking about what it'll texas property taxes are really high businesses don't like it and so i think what this corporate wa- welfare does is it allows the legislature to buy off big business and and so gives them big tax breaks you know these these 313 312 and other tax breaks you know cut their property taxes in half for 10 years and it buys them off and that's just one constituency that isn't giving them a hard time about high property taxes anymore And then, you know, they're they're keeping the schools and the local government governments happy by spending all that
0: money. Yeah, so 313's right uh, kind of talking about uh, the fact that there are people uh, at least in the past that have previously qualified for these kind of tax exemptions and by the way those people are businesses not actual individual taxpayers who end up kind of brunting the difference um, if you will there and so it's certainly concerning to Bill's point um, that they're, they're coming that potentially going to be brought back what's unclear is whether or not lawmakers will follow suit and bring it back in some capacity.
1: Yeah, you know, I actually did an interview with Bloomberg uh, yesterday. It should be coming out of the next week. And we talked specifically about this. Uh, And there's there's so many problems with these 313s. Not only the fact that we're going to renew them, but, you know, it is the largest corporate welfare program in Texas, uh, totaling, I think, about $11 billion. Um, There's this last year, there's, I think, 490 Uh, Applications where typically in a typical year, I think it was like somewhere between 60 and 90. And then there's this flood uh, of all these companies and putting in placeholders that, hey, they might need this in 20 or 30 years. Just all kinds of shadiness going on. The program needs to end. We oppose all corporate welfare. It doesn't matter who you're giving it to. Uh, and so we'll see in this next legislative session. What I mean, it's
0: it's thing. one of the issues that like has bipartisan support, right? Like the Texas GOP and Texas Democrats both have it in their platforms that they're opposed to corporate welfare.
1: Yeah, it, it, if they somehow renew this, uh, it's going to tell us a lot about <laughs> about how that legislature really works. So if you have both parties opposing it, but yeah, magically somehow it still passes, uh, it, it tells you how things really work in that in that building. So. Um, speaking of uh, the legislature and, and past legislation, I did write an article this week uh, talking about the the loopholes in SB2, the 2019 historic property tax reform that we mentioned uh, quite often. Uh, and uh, there was a, an interaction uh, that we had with uh, Chairman of the Republican Party, Matt Rinaldi. Uh, and essentially, he was making the point that Dallas uh, was raising their rates over the 3.5%. And, of course, uh, we answered him and we said hey you know there's a loophole and then kind of went into the explanation of exactly uh what this is and uh, essentially what it is is uh not to get too nitpicky on the on the the policy or the bill but what what they passed is they have a a provision that allows if you have not for the last 3 years uh raised to that voter approval rate you can essentially bank the leftover rate, so let's say that you know the rate's 3.5, let's say you only raised to 2.5 all of those years, you would have 1% in each year that it's now expiring this year, that provision expires in December of this year. And so all of these cities who uh, are wanting to money grab, they can take all of that 3%, stack it on top as long as they're right below that and still be able to raise the rate far above the voter approval rate without triggering an election it's shady. The whole, I mean, there's a lot of problems with that bill that that, that passed. Of course, there was some good stuff as well, um, but this is just another example of, uh, you know, inside baseball and lawmakers of the state kind of, you know, reaching behind the backs in dark, shady rooms and saying, hey, you know, here here you go, cities. Uh, and then, of course, they play this game. We talk about the cities blame the state, the state blame the cities. So, What's your thoughts,
0: Jeremy? Yeah, I mean, it's just, man, it's to be expected, sadly, right? It's like you had the disaster loophole provision, right, that was supposed to be remedied, right, just here. Um, and it, it's just, man, this reform package, you know, they had all this back and forth. You had these supposed Republicans standing up, right, to these local government jurisdictions. And here we are. We find out that they've, like, given them provisions, right, these local governments provisions to do the exact opposite of, Uh, Of what the quote unquote intent of the bill was, you know, and this is really the first cycle in which it's all kind of coming into its full implementation. And if you're a taxpayer, right, who's just concerned about rising property taxes, you've got to be just tired tired of this right like why can't we just simply address the problem and stop with this circular firing squad of the state blaming the local governments and local governments blaming the state it's a terrible tax system and it's beyond time that we deal with this issue and move on
1: yeah i mean the goal is complete elimination because you can't you can't fix a broken system right and and we could sit here and count the number of uh, lies that were told to us by the legislature, whether, you know, when it passed in 2019, hey, you're going to see your property uh, tax bills go down. They have not gone down, right? Uh, recently in the summer when they were having, you know, Senate finance hearings and house appropriations hearing, hey, don't worry. I know you're scared about your appraisals, but all the local subdivisions, you know, the ISDs and the cities, they're going to lower to the no new revenue rates and it's going to be just fine. Guess what? That was a lie as well. Uh, and then, of course now we 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 continue to see cities abuse these loopholes uh and it just shows that you know, for the most part, aside from a few uh critical reforms the the whole bill was just a big show, right, where they get to go blow trumpets in the streets and say, "Hey, look, we provided relief, but there is no relief. No one's tax bill has gone down." And, you know, the hope is that we don't do this again, this next go round, that's our fear, right, is is they throw some money at the situation, they compress some rates, and then they're done with it. But they don't tie, uh, like Oliver's bill, tie to elimination, specifically of the M&O, which, by the way, just another reminder, Greg Abbott said was his goal, right, In in the debate, he said my goal is to eliminate school property taxes to let people own their home. Hey, we applaud that. We're, of course, cautiously optimistic that, uh, that he is able, going to be able to do that. The first step would be to add that to his priorities, his legislative priorities. Uh, if he does not do that, then we are going to know that that was just an outright lie as well, as well.
0: Yeah, once again, look, if he does not add this to his, you know, in his state of the state address, what, first week of February during the legislative session, if he does not add this as an emergency item, I think taxpayers should absolutely be concerned that it's not going to be taken seriously, or at least in the way that we think it should be done, which is not only buying down maintenance and operation right it's a, it's how it, we wholeheartedly support that as a means to actually provide relief that isn't a trinket right or a slow the growth kind of strategy that they've done in the past but we also need to simultaneously put us on a path to the elimination of this absolutely terrible tax
1: yeah and and for those you know we 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 interact with taxpayers a lot and they'll say hey well what can I have it do right and in a sense, yeah, he's not a legislator, right? He's not writing the laws, but he has a few things uh, that uh, can overpower the legislature, right? One, he has a bully pulpit. Uh, he can control policy. And specifically, the way he can control policy is he can call an unlimited number of special sessions until this is accomplished. And so the easiest way that Abbott could absolutely come through on his, uh, his goal to eliminate school property taxes would be to put it as a legislative priority and say, if you do not pass this, I will call an unlimited amount of special sessions forever until you do. And if he did that, I guarantee you they would eliminate it or put us on a path of elimination. So don't buy into that he can't do anything. Yes, the legislators have their, uh, their responsibility. They have to craft the bill and, and have a clean bill that would do that. But he absolutely is driving the train. And so we have to hold him accountable, especially with the the bold statement he made in the debate, for
0: sure. I mean, look, taxpayers want this, right? We've we've written about this several times, right? There was polling done, I think, by Defend Texas Liberty PAC just a month or two ago, right, where it said that – taxpayers want actual property tax relief. This kind of segues into our our next portion here where, you know, I wrote this week about um, fiscal note, right, survey results, right? We do a survey every week for subscribers to our weekly email that goes out on Fridays. And last week's, you know, survey was, what are out of these, I think, six items, what are the most important issues to you going into the November election? And property taxes were number two on that list, right behind border security, right? And so wrote about that, obviously, uh, but we've, talked about property taxes at ignazium, but you've also got the border security issue, something else that Greg Abbott has come out on uh, multiple times. We don't know to what end, right? I'm not so sure that I can specifically, you know, talk to the, a result that has come right out of uh, the state trying to get involved or spend taxpayer money on, uh, on border security efforts. Other than we spent over $4 billion on operation Lone star thus far, and likely we'll be requesting even more money this next legislation. Legislative cycle for it. Um, we've spent, I think it's ranged from 14 to $1,700 per bus rider, right on this kind of busing stunt that Abbott's done. Uh, but you know, taxpayers, I think are, are keenly, especially now in an election, kind of the, the, this last month of the election, keenly aware of these issues going into this next cycle and uh, property taxes right there, right there up with border security. Um, I don't think the legislature is going to be able to ignore the issue like they have in the past.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I think, you know, to concede that, I think the border is an issue. I think we we have to deal with it. You know, there's a lot of calls for Abbott to declare an invasion. A lot of people think that what a uh, hopefully soon-to-be Governor Kerry Lake will do that and put pressure on Abbott in January. We'll see, from our perspective, this is a fiscal issue uh, because not only um, do we have uh, people coming in uh, jeopardizing in our quote-unquote safety net, right, where we have all of our welfare programs are, are just being completely drained. Uh, we have, uh, like you said, four billion dollars that was spent on securing the border, and what did we get? I remember the article you wrote. Uh, you know, is it juice worth the squeeze? Um, that's a lot of money uh, to have not really solved the issue or come even close to it. As a matter of fact, uh, we've heard that they are talking about spending more out of the surplus, right? Probably two or three billion more dollars on securing the border. Uh, are we going to get the exact same result? Just a bunch of money thrown at the situation uh, and nothing done? Um, we We will see uh, i think it is it is important to note that with everything going on especially nationally uh poll after poll after poll is showing with you know, you know roe being overturned and all of these you know caustic issues still in in taxpayers and voters' minds the number one issue is the economy the economy is what is crushing people inflation and so this, we should take notes from that in Texas, and we should know that people are hurting. People are likely going to be pushed out of their homes if nothing is done on property taxes. And so we, we beg the legislature to deal with this and to give taxpayers relief because it's probably going to be a rough couple of years coming up.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that is all we have today. Uh, we appreciate y'all being with us. Uh, we will be back again next Thursday at 530. Uh, y'all have a great week, and we will see you then.
0: Take care. For even more content, follow us on social media at Texas Taxpayers on Facebook and Instagram at Texas underscore taxpayers on Twitter. Subscribe to the Fiscal Note, our weekly email jam-packed full of information important to Texas Taxpayers at texastaxpayers.com slash subscribe. And then make sure to check out our Texas Prosperity Plan, texastaxpayers.com slash TPP. Thanks.